Welcome to the Spiritual Recharge Podcast, brought to you by SpiritualRecharge.com. This is your place to experience peace and higher consciousness while recharging the battery of your soul. So get comfortable, take a few relaxing breaths, and settle in to this sacred time for yourself. Welcome, welcome to the Spiritual Recharge Podcast. Today we are looking at softening any resistance we have to surrender, removing the walls to surrender and letting go. Most likely, if you're listening to this, you have a deep feeling that letting go and surrender are a good thing. Perhaps you've been practicing this in your life. But most of us, all of us, find there's some resistance, right? Maybe at some moments it's easy, some days it's easy, and others it's difficult, perhaps. Perhaps there are some aspects that are easy to surrender and some that are less so. So we're just going to delve in a little more deeply and allow this podcast, allow as you listen, really go into the experience as well. We're in the energy field, we're discussing, we're feeling this beauty of surrender. So listen and also experience as you're listening to how beautiful it feels to soften tension, to melt away stress, to be open and present and receptive to the beauty of life. So you might even have your palms facing up, whatever feels beautiful for you to be in the experience of surrender as we talk about it, because really all that counts is the experience. (laughs) So as I was tuning into the topic for today, I was really drawn to picking up one of my favorite books called Letting Go, The Pathway of Surrender by David R. Hawkins. And I randomly turned to a page. I'm going to start by reading this because I think it's a beautiful introduction to our topic today. So he was asked a question, what do you think is the most frequent cause for our resistance to surrender? And the answer, we think that somehow if we hang on to that feeling, it is going to get us what we want. If we get stuck in a feeling, it is useful to look at the question of what we think we have accomplished by hanging on to it. We will almost always find that we have a fantasy that it will have some effect on some other person and change their behavior or attitudes towards us. If we let go of that, 
we become willing to let go of the feeling. So it's such an interesting truth that there's a reason we're hanging on, right? We think that if we hang on, it will get us what we want. And if we let go, somehow we'll lose, right? And when we find ourselves in these moments to remind ourselves of this, what do I feel I'm getting by holding on to this? What am I afraid of losing? And that if we let go of this idea that by holding on, we're going to get something or reach where we want to or whatever it is, we then finally really open the door to freedom, our freedom and our ability to be present in the moment and available for life and available for the gifts of life to pour in. So often when we're busy clinging and holding on to something and then taking actions from that place, because really the letting go, it's in the mind, right? It starts in the mind, the, the feelings contained in the mind. And what that then translates to is our words, our speech, and our actions. So when we're holding on to some negative feeling in our mind, not only is that unpleasant, uncomfortable, not really beneficial for the body, not a lovely experience, that then is going to pour over into our words and our actions, which then kind of solidify it even more. And then that cycles back into our thoughts and that pattern, that emotion, that feeling, that piece of negativity is reinforced. And in Raja Yoga, we would call that a samskara, something, a pattern that starts as that seed of thought and it's moving into our words, it's moving into our actions and then that cycles back into our thoughts and it's an imprint in the soul. And so sometimes also difficulty with letting go could be that it's a stronger imprint, an imprint that started before this life But somewhere, sometime, we have to break that cycle, don't we? At least if we want to feel a sense of peace and freedom. So as we become aware of that negativity acting out, whether it's at the level of mind, words, thoughts, or all of those, 
can we pause and become aware One of the greatest words, really, is so simple, it's stop, S-T-O-P. Just stop, just pause. Come inside, become aware. And rather than continuing to act unconsciously from that energy, just place a stop sign this time. If the action is really important, if it's really valuable and necessary, it'll still get done. But if it's not, you're putting a stop. Again, whatever it is really can wait. It's the feeling or intensity of feeling in the mind that thinks it can't wait. That there's this urgency And we think that by acting out that negativity, we will then be free of the feeling or the urgency. And maybe temporarily, that's, I know that's like a a method or a belief system people use that, well, if they just act out the anger and, and scream, then they're free, then it's gone after. But no, it just got reinforced ever more strongly until it reemerges again. And the soul becomes trapped in that cycle. So we pause. And we find a way to connect with ourselves, to commune with God, to connect within. And you find what that is for you. Do you just stop and sit quietly or lay down? Perhaps you go through a meditation. Do you go for a walk or a drive out in nature? Do you go to a sacred space to meditate, to pray, to unite with the divine? So what is it that really works for you? And you do that. And you give yourself a little bit of space and breathing room to really become conscious. And then to act from a settled, aware, free space. It's as though you can take the energy of whatever it is in your stopping, in your pausing, and offer it up to the divine. You see it for what it is. It isn't something that overtakes you and you become unconscious, but you see it for what it is. And in so doing, you're able to become free of it. 
So oftentimes we need to have this compassionate space, give ourselves this compassionate space in our practice of surrender and letting go. Because especially if it's a pattern that's been reinforced again and again and again, we need to approach it with some compassion. Give ourselves some breathing room. I promise you that sense of urgency, whatever it is, it's not real. It can wait. Whatever it is really can wait. Sure, there's some rare moments in life where things can't, but often they can. It's just an illusion in the mind that you have to rush into that negative impulse or action. So it's as though we just lay it all on the table for God in the light of truth and we do something that creates space. And this in itself really enables us to remove blocks and resistance. If we don't give ourselves this pause, this breathing room, then it's kind of like a fight can go on, right? But that doesn't really get us anywhere. So taking a moment now to create that space. That's what we're doing here together, creating space. And feel. And become aware. And on some level, we have to accept whatever it is we're experiencing with compassion. And just hold ourselves in that love. Hold whatever it is in that love. And when we do so, everything just softens. The walls kind of break down. They just dissipate. And then we're free, free of it and free to choose from a space of our center and our truth. I had this awareness this week. This was, you know, way before I knew this was going to be the topic for today. I just, that just came in probably an hour or so before the podcast. But I was reflecting on surrender and 
I was really feeling and realizing that ultimately God is going to ask me to surrender and let go of everyone and everything, including my own body, everything, everyone. Because ultimately, when it is time to go back home, that's what we have to do. So when we realized that, it's like I was feeling, well, why not just do it now and have that perfect freedom of heart and mind. If we're going to have to do it anyway, then there's something beautiful about that preparation and freedom of being and then things like fear dissolve because what's there to be afraid of so sometimes when we go to these deeper roots some of the negative emotions that were based on attachment and holding on just don't, are not relevant anymore they dissipate And there's a deeper sense of trust in life that emerges. So another interesting angle, I'm going to read from this book again. It was another page I turned to that I think is really useful. And it's about letting go and surrender in the aspect of opinions, opinions, because how often do we feel, think, and act based off of our own opinions, preferences, the opinions of others? So I'll read, if we look at opinions, we will see that they are a dime a dozen. Everybody on the street has thousands of opinions on thousands of subjects and their opinions change from moment to moment and are vulnerable to every passing whim of fashion, propaganda, and fatism. Right? What's whatever's popular, whatever is accepted currently in society. Today's in opinion is tomorrow's out opinion. This morning's opinion is passé by afternoon. We can ask ourselves, do I want to spread out my vulnerability to attack by so extensively identifying with all these passing thoughts and calling them mine? Everybody has an opinion on everything, so what? When we look at the true quality of opinions, we will stop giving them as much value. If we look back on our life, we will see that every mistake we ever made was based on an opinion. We become much less vulnerable if we put our thoughts, ideas, and beliefs, which are all opinions, into a different context. We can view them as ideas that we like or dislike. 
Some thoughts give us pleasure and so we like them. Just because we like them today doesn't mean we have to go to war over them. We like a concept so long as it serves us and we are getting enjoyment out of it. Of course, we discard it quite readily when it is no longer a source of pleasure. When we look at our opinions, we will see that it is primarily our emotions that are giving them any value in the first place. Instead of feeling pride about our thoughts, what is wrong with just loving them? Why not just love a certain concept because of its beauty, because of its inspirational quality, or because of its serviceability? If we view our thoughts that way, we no longer need the pride of being right. If we hold the same view of our likes and dislikes, we are no longer prone to argumentativeness. For instance, if we love the music of a certain composer, we no longer need to defend it. We might hope that our companion would also love it, but if not, the worst that we can feel is mild disappointment at not being able to share something that we personally value and enjoy. If we try this, we will find that people no longer attack our likes and dislikes and concepts. Instead of defensiveness, what they are getting from us now is appreciation. They understand that we appreciate certain things, and that is why we think the way we do. But they will no longer criticize or attack us. The worst we will get is perhaps a kidding or a quizzical attitude. Where pride is absent, attack is also absent. This is very valuable in those areas such as politics and religion, which are so historically prone to illicit argument that they are tactically bypassed in polite society. We will find that if we love our religion, whatever it might be, no one will attack us. If we are prideful, however, we will have to avoid the entire subject because anger will quickly arise as a byproduct of the pride when we truly value something, we lift it aloft out of the demeaning target range of argument. That which we truly cherish and revere is protected by our own reverence. If we tell somebody that we do something because we get enjoyment out of it, there is really nothing much they can say about it, is there? If we infer that we do it because we are right in doing it, we will instantly see their hackles go up because they also have an opinion on what is right. Our values, our preferences, we hold them because we love them, enjoy them, and get pleasure from them. If we hold them in that context, we will be left in peace to enjoy them. So a very beautiful and clear view of what we hold in our mind, these opinions, these preferences. If we can have this fluidity and this looseness and just this feeling of love, but not this tension of right and wrong and this tension of this is 
mine and this is good or this is bad and the stress that that generates but choose from love there's such a freedom and peace with that in ourselves and in our relationships because in so giving ourselves that freedom we're able to give others that same beautiful freedom And really the outcome, I think, of surrender, of letting go of what we've been talking about today is love. Is love. Is love as a state of being. And as we are centered in that flow of love, the ease of surrender is present. We're able to let go with love because we love ourselves, we love others, we love the beauty of life. And so there's an ease in letting go of whatever is in tension or conflict with that. And that was the last thing I did turn to for today in this book was love. I turned right to love. Love is a way of being. It is the energy that radiates when the blocks to it have been surrendered. It is more than an emotion or a thought. It is a state of being. Love is what we have become through the pathway of surrender. It is a way of being in the world that says, how can I be of help to you? How can I comfort you? How can I loan you money when you're broke? How can I help you find a job? How can I console you when you've suffered a major loss in your family? Lovingness is a way through which we light up the world. Isn't that beautiful? So to live from this space of love and to give ourselves that compassionate space to let go of whatever negative feeling, thought has been gripping us so that we can continuously be available to the presence of love from within us, around us and pouring into us from the source of love. So it's such a beautiful topic because really in this letting go and is such a deep freedom. We're not losing, we're gaining the deep experience of love and peace and grace. 
So I'm going to read something that Juliana just wrote in that is so beautiful. Thank you so much, Juliana, from Corinthians 13, 4, 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. So beautiful. To tap into that stilling truth of love as what we're ultimately gaining, returning to. It's not really gaining, but it'll be more present in your experience. Returning to that deep space of loving trust. And so then what a gift this practice of surrender really is. And so allowing ourselves to feel that depth of love, completion, wholeness, divine perfection. And that as we journey into our lives and the unfolding of our lives, we can really take the depth of what we connected on today deeply into our experience, give ourselves space, breathing room, let go, let go, let go. and open yourself to the love that is eternal. Thank you for your beautiful divine presence. It is an honor to connect with each and every soul listening and into the future. May every blessing be upon you. 
May you let go with ease and may you expand in the presence of love. Om Shanti. It's been such a beautiful time together. Thank you for listening. Think of one person who needs this and share this with them. If you have any questions for us, please send them to shareyourquestion.com. Go to spiritualrecharge.com for more free meditations, talks, and courses. We thank you for your beautiful presence. Keep shining your divine light in our world. So much love and we'll connect soon.